You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. What a great service. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord, to worship Him. Um, I get the joy of, of opening up the Word of God with you this morning. But before I do that, I want to just encourage you to look at this QR code uh, right behind me. Um, you know, we, we are a growing church. Uh, last week, last week I, I, I gave some stats just to encourage you that there's 190 people in connect groups at Sun Life Church. So that's just under 200 adults in connect groups. And we've got 70 kids, 30 youth. So there's already around 300 people in our church already connected. All right. And then, of course, we've got those who are not in connect groups yet because you're new. You're trying to find uh, your way around here. You're trying to figure out if this is a church that you can call home um, or, or you're, you're not ready to be in a small group. And so I could safely say that this church is around 400 people. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's getting to a stage where even if you look around now, like this, this place is packed. And so I'm not quite sure what to do, you know, uh, but I, I'm glad that God is allowing me to lead a church that is, is, is growing, that is healthy. And, and I feel that one of the best ways to lead a church this size here is to communicate to the church effectively so there's no confusion. And so what we're trying to do at, at the church is we've got this QR code to update your details. So here's a few things, right? Uh, if, if you need to update your details so that we can email you and communicate to you more effectively, then please scan this QR code here with your phone. If you do not have a phone and you can't scan it, then please see myself or one of the volunteers and we can help you update your details. So if you need to update your details, please scan this right now with your phone. So we're going to leave it up there. Uh, if you are new to this church, all right, you're new and you're uh, considered, you're, you've made the decision, this is your spiritual home, can you also please scan this right now? If that is you, we would love you to uh, get into our mailing list so that we can communicate to you. If you are thinking about Sun Life Church, all right, and you haven't made the decision yet, but you want to be on the mailing list, please scan. Please scan, okay, because then we can get you on the mailing list. Uh, and if you don't want to be uh, on the mailing list, if you're not quite sure, then that's okay, all right? And I'm very sure that if we do, and we haven't really emailed people in the past before, but if we do, uh, I've been told by the techie people of this church here that there is a, an unsubscribe option. All right, let's say you've moved on from Sun Life Church and you get an email from me and you're like, yeah, we, um, we're no longer part of this church. I have been told that there's an unsubscribe button that you can click and then it's like we opt out. All right, but what I'm trying to say is that um, we want to be able to communicate to you not every week, maybe once or twice a term to let you know what's going on, what's happening, you know, maybe we're at the stage where we might have to have a second service. We have to communicate to you. We've been using social media. We use the, the Sunday platform, but we realize that not everyone make it on Sunday, that some people don't have social media, but maybe email is the way to go. So there's the QR code. Please, please do that. Anyhow, um, welcome. My name is Ben, and if you are new here, if this is your first time here, because uh, you've come along to church, or you've come because someone has invited you, or you've come because, uh... oh, I've just realized you've been playing music. You can play for the whole sermon if you want to. No, <laughs> give Tao a round of applause. Oh, thank you, brother. I was just going, gee, my preaching was pretty special in the first two minutes of this segment. And there's music in the background. Thank you, Tao. Really appreciate you, brother. 
If you're new here, then I just want to say welcome. Uh, and can I also ask, if possible, can I have the house light on just a little bit more? Because I just want to be able to see you. Because I can't see you. <laughs> yeah, I can see you now. Thank you. I just want to say welcome. Uh, um, I'm the pastor here, and I get the joy of teaching God's Word most of the time. And it's always a joy to open His Word. As, as a church community, we have been going through... Um, God's community, what it means to be the church, what is the purpose of the church, why we exist, the body of Christ, He is the head. And this morning here, what I want to do is I want to look at the interaction between Jesus and the church and draw out two applications from Luke chapter 4. All right. So if you have your Bible, turn with me now to Luke chapter 4. And I'll give you the two applications right off the bat, so you know where I'm going. The first one is the regularity with, of the gathering. And the second point is the proclamation at the gathering. That's what I want to draw out with you from the text this morning. So you have your Bible. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 4, specifically verse 14 to 19. I'm going to pray and we'll get to work. Father God, I pray now that you would help me to expound your word with clarity. Lord, will you speak to your people through your servant right now? Will you humble me? Will you use me in this moment to speak your truth? Will we leave this morning loving you even more? Bless this time right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you don't have your Bible, the text of study is on the screen behind me. Let me set you the context before I expound the Word of God. Here's the context. So Luke chapter 4, just prior to that, the Holy Spirit, He leads Jesus into the wilderness. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. You may know that if you've been in the church system long enough, right? Jesus is tempted. He overcomes temptation. He leaves the wilderness in power and in strength. It's like God the Father has approved Jesus, ready to start his public ministry. All right? And so that's when we notice that after the baptism of Jesus, he's in the wilderness, he's tempted, he overcomes temptation, he comes out of the wilderness full of power, power for what? Public ministry. And so it's like a scene from the Karate Kid. You remember that scene from the Karate Kid where, you know, he's done all the training and Mr. Miyagi gives Daniel's son the final full nod, saying, you are now ready, son. You know, ready to enter into that battle scene, the final scene. You remember? And what does he do in the movie? Can you remember? He goes, where? He goes to church, right? He, he, he goes to church. Do you remember that scene? No? <laughs> Maybe that's the, the Christian version. Well, go with me to the text. Verse 14 onwards. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went about through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, which is his hometown, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Where do we find Jesus? Immediately after the temptation, full of power, we find him in the synagogue. You see, the synagogue, 
is a gathering of Jewish people to read scripture. They would gather on a Saturday on the Sabbath to read scripture and then someone would then expound and teach scripture, explain what it means and they would pray. And it's like, it was a church service for the Jewish people. And the text is very clear in verse 16. Jesus returns to his hometown, right, Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue. He goes to a church service for the Jews, and he begins to read scripture. Look carefully in verse 16. As was his custom. You see that? As was his custom. This means that Jesus, since childhood, since a little lad, he was a regular at these gatherings. His mother and father, Mary and Joseph, made it a regular rhythm, a pattern for him weekly to go to the synagogues to hear people read scripture. And I'm thinking about this during the week. Like, Jesus, like, Jesus, you are God. Like, you have been in the wilderness, you have been empowered, full of power, and you are going to a gathering. What are they going to do at the gathering? They're going to talk about you, right? They're going to try to explain to one another about you because, Jesus, you are God, God in the flesh, full of power. So, Jesus, why are you even going there? Because they're going to try to explain each other about you, and you know everything about you. So why do you need to even be there, Jesus? You get my point, right? And I'm thinking about this. Why? Why waste your time? You should be out there with power, doing your thing, casting out demons, doing the work. But you choose to go to a gathering because it was part of your rhythm. And that's what we see right here. God in the flesh, Jesus, full of power. He's at a weekly gathering because it was his rhythm. There's another man you may know by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul, a great writer of the New Testament. He wrote the majority of the letters in the New Testament, an amazing church planters. Most of the churches we read in the New Testament planted, started by Paul. And he too had a very similar rhythm. Go with me to Acts 17, Acts 17, verses 2 and 3. And Paul went in as was his custom. That phrase again. And on the three Sabbath day, he reasoned with them from the scripture, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ, that's Jesus, to suffer and to be raised from the dead. Can you see that? This is what it means for you and I today, as Christians today, that we need a healthy weekly rhythm as well. We need to be regular with coming here. And God longs for us to come here regularly, with a heart to worship Him weekly. And listen carefully, I'm not here to make anyone feel bad. My job is not to make you feel bad. I'm not finger pointing. But I want to say this, if this makes any sense to you right now, and you go, well, pastor, you know what? I really want to see a good rhythm, a good habit, and come here regularly. Well, that's a great start. That's an amazing attitude. But, but, don't, but don't have this attitude. All right, pastor. I gotcha. This is my New Year's resolution. I know there's 41 more Sundays. There's 41 more Sundays to the end of the year. I'm going to make sure that every week, all 41 Sundays, I am here. That's my New Year resolution. Don't do that. Trust me. 
the amount of people who've made these resolutions, it never works. Start small. Just be consistent. Start small. For some of you here, maybe you only gather a few times a year. Okay. But in your heart, you want to see more of a regular habit and rhythm. Why don't you make a commitment to come once a month? That's it. Once a month. Commit to that. Small changes. And make it consistent and see what happens. For some of you, you're good. Once a month, you go to this place. Once a month, you set time aside to worship the Lord. Why don't you go to the next level every second week, every fortnight? Just make that change. Small changes and see what happens. For some of you, you're every second week. I only see you every two, three weeks. Why don't you go every week? When you make small changes, and you keep it consistent, I really believe there will be a good rhythm in coming here to worship the Lord. You know, James Clear, he writes his book on habits, and I quote him, he says this, changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound, will compound and turn into a remarkable result if you're willing to stick with them for years. Small changes. Find out why you're struggling to come here weekly. Are the kids playing up on Sunday morning? And because they're playing up, you just can't be bothered to get here because they're just being quite wild? Maybe get them to bed early on Saturday night. Or you're living too far from Leaderville because you've realized by the time you hop in the car to drive down here, you're going to be late anyway, so why bother? Seriously, head of my heart, find a church community closer to home so that you go regularly. Or maybe Sunday, get up 30 minutes earlier than usual. So instead of getting up and going, oh, you know, it's a Sunday, I get to sleep in, and then frantically try to get to church, get up half an hour earlier. Make yourself a coffee. Spend some time in prayer and ask the Lord, Lord, will you help me to get my act together and come here to worship you? But whatever it is, make small changes. Because I can tell you right now, when you gather, and when I gather, and when we gather as the people of God to worship Him, God does something really wonderful. You know, in theology, right? In theology, um, we are taught that God is omnipresent. So the omnipresent nature of God is that God is everywhere. He's here right now. He's here when you're home alone. The psalmist tries to escape from God, and God is there. God is with them. You know, the psalmist on his high mountaintop experience, and his dark, deep valley moments. God is everywhere. That's God. So in theology, we say that's the omnipresent of God. But we also know in theology, there's the manifest presence of God. And there are two different things. The manifest presence of God is this nature where it's God's decision, God's decision, God's sovereign decision to localize his presence in various occasions. He makes the decision to make his presence so real when he wants to. That's the manifest presence of God. You remember in the book of Daniels? In the book of Daniels, uh, there were three young Hebrew Jewish men thrown into the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, remember? They threw the three fellas into the fire, and then the guard looked and realized, 
wait a minute, we threw in three, but how come there are now four? And they were walking around in the fire, and they realized in Daniel chapter three that the fourth was like the Son of Man, Jesus. That's the manifest presence of God when God decides to show up if he wants to. When we gather as God's people and we sing and we worship, God is here. He's omnipresent. But there's something about wholeheartedly giving him the attention, the adoration. He shows up in a special way and you sense him. Right now, you may know this online in uh, Wilmore, Kentucky, Ashburg. There's a picture here, which started off as a fortnight chapel on the 8th of Feb. So this is over a month now. These young, I think they're called Gen Z. I think we're up to Gen Z now. Have no idea what's after Gen Z. Maybe back to Gen A. They have been worshipping the Lord for over a month now. These are young people who have been just declaring God is king and they're confessing, they're repenting, and they have to actually bring food in to feed them, mattresses so they can sleep. And it's been going on now for like five, six weeks, nonstop. God's presence is so tangible right now in that part of the world. You can Google this, you can watch it on YouTube. And what are they doing? They're worshiping God, not alone, together. Not at home, together. Not over a screen, together. And so when we gather here weekly, and we sing to Him, and we really sing to Him, and we glorify Him, and we magnify Him, and we exalt Him, I promise you, God in sovereignty, He will manifest in a way where it's like, I am so glad that I was here. I'm so glad I came to worship him. That's what we see here. And my encouragement for us here is that we make it a rhythm that we are regular to come so that we can exalt God together. We can worship him together, sing, praise him, listen to the preaching of his word, serve one another, and expect that God will manifest in a fresh way and we can leave this place saying, I am so glad that I made the effort to get changed, to hop in my car and drive to Leaderville and worship God, place my agenda aside and say that this moment is for you, Jesus, and let him show up. He's here. He's omnipresent. But let he manifest himself in a special way. That's a very good reason to see a rhythm, a pattern. And we see that with Jesus, we see that with Paul, and I want to see that with you. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying make small changes so that there's a nice rhythm that we gather here as a people of God every week. That's my first point. Here's my second point here, is the proclamation at the gathering. Now look in verse 17 and 19. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, so that's what they did. They read the, 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 the Old Testament, was given to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. It's amazing because back in those days at the synagogues, they had a, a set, they had a set reading. I remember back in the days when I was in the Anglican church, we would preach based on the lectionary. It was a set preaching roster. So you were given whatever, like 
you were given Simon's favorite book, Leviticus, right? And you had to preach from Leviticus, right? And so here we have Jesus. Instead of reading the set reading, he found Isaiah 61. And he begins to read Isaiah 61. He says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim liberty to the captive. You see the word proclaiming, proclaiming. Recovering the sight of the blind to set a liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see what Jesus is doing? Right at the gathering, he's proclaiming the good news. And this is what we do on Sunday. Every Sunday we come here, the preacher's job is to proclaim the good news. Proclaim Jesus. Here is gospel proclamation. And do you know what we do in our connect group? Gospel application. Sunday morning, we proclaim. In your small group, we apply. We get to ask questions. Hey, I didn't get what Bin was talking about on the weekend. He kind of lost me with his third point. We're trying to figure it out. Hey, in our small group, hey, how did you go through that season of depression? What did you do? We begin to work it out together. Hey, you know this particular passage in the Bible? Like, how do we apply that? Like, head coverings for women, and how do we do that? And we begin to wrestle the text together. Oh, hey, you know, how did you overcome offense when someone offended you? How did you forgive them? Share with me. Let me know what you did, because I'm going through that right now. That's how we apply the gospel during the week. But on Sunday, when we gather here, when I stand before you, my job is to proclaim the gospel. Amen. I want to remind us what Jesus has done on the cross. Amen. That we joyfully proclaim that our Jesus is alive, that he's a living person and he welcomes everyone into fellowship. Amen. We proclaim the gospel is able to save. Amen. We proclaim that Jesus offers forgiveness and hope and restoration. Amen. We proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Savior. He loves you. He loves me. He forgives us. He welcomes us into fellowship. That's what we do week in and week out here on Sunday. If you come here on Sunday and you go, yeah, I know what you're going to say, Pastor, but you're all going to talk about Jesus and you're going to proclaim him and you're going to talk about his love. I know it. I've heard this all before. Don't you know I've been a Christian for 20, 30 years? Give me something better. Give me meat, more meat. I don't want to be fed milk. Give me meat, 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 meat. You want meat? Go to Troy's Butcher up in Belcata and get some meat up there. Right. You know, don't come with that attitude. Don't come with the attitude. I've heard it all before. I know what you're going to say. You're going to talk about Jesus and how he loves me and, and give me some meat. No, that's not my job. My job is not to stand up here and confuse you all and preach in a way where it makes me smart and you're not smart. That's not my job. My job is to proclaim Jesus and the gospel and let you know that Jesus is alive. He sits, he rules, he reigns, he loves you, he forgives you, he welcomes you, he accepts you for who you are. That's my job. You want to go deeper, get into a small group. Let's talk about that. If you want to even go deeper, next term I'm going to start Monday night's Bible studies. Come and join me there. And you want to go even deeper, go to seminary. But every Sunday morning here, it's gospel Proclamation.
I proclaim that Jesus is alive. He is real. He is worth following. He loves you. He forgives you. He knows where you're at. He welcomes you. He embraces you. He really loves you a lot. I want to proclaim his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his compassion for you all. It doesn't matter where you are, in what season of life, you and I need to hear that he loves us, that he loves us a lot. And look what he does right now. There's three sub-points here. In his, I guess, exposition of Isaiah 61, the first thing he says is freeing for the captives. The language of captives here is a prison of war. Someone has been captured by the enemy. Some of you here this morning, you are trapped. Like you love Jesus, you know that you belong to the kingdom of God, you know that you're part of the kingdom of light, but there is a temptation that keeps getting you. It's like every time this temptation sticks its head out, it gets you every time and you feel trapped. It's like an addiction. It's like something, you know, you go, I just don't like it in me, but I can't overcome it. I want you to know, keep coming here. Because here, there's help. Here, there's hope. Here, Jesus forgives. Here, Jesus restores. And here, the Bible says, he will free the captives. And I want you to hear this, that if you are someone struggling with an addiction or something that gets you every time, you've got to be here. You've got to be in community. You've got to be surrounded by people who's going to help you and encourage you to help you get your life back on track. Because I tell you right now, friends, loneliness, isolation is not a friend if there is an attack, a temptation or addiction. It is not a friend. Don't do it alone. Don't say, oh, I'm so ashamed. I don't want to share this with anyone. I will just figure this out myself. I will just stay home. I don't want to be part of this community. No one understands. No one loves it. It's just me, myself, and I. Friends, loneliness is not a friend when you are facing temptation or addiction. You need a community. You need to come here and let people here encourage you, pray for you, stand with you, promise to be there for you, and make sure that we're here to help each other because Jesus is the great Savior, the great doctor who will free us from our captivity. We need to come here. We need to be in a small group. We need to come and say, Lord, I need help. Could someone help me? We're all broken people. No one's perfect here. I love what Jason was saying. He's glad that he's part of a small group. He's glad that he's got people around him because he needs help. I need help as a pastor as well. We all need help. You know, friends, they say that from a, the point of a stimulus to response, there is a gap. Every stimulus response, there's a gap. In that gap, you have to make a decision whether you cave into the temptation or not. I would say in that gap, have people to encourage you. Have people to speak the truth of God into you. Have people to help you make the right decision and not cave into temptation. You need to be here. That's the first thing Jesus says. The second, he says, seeing for the blind. Seeing for the blind. I believe that Jesus wants to open our eyes to see that we need him as Savior. That every one of us here, we are spiritually blind. And without the grace of Jesus, we would not see that we need him as Savior. That the gospel is not God condemning us, but God saving us that God wants to draw us into fellowship with Him. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send His Son Jesus into this world to condemn the world, but to do what? Save the world through Him. 
God wants you and I to see the beauty of Jesus. The problem is that the human heart, listen carefully, the human heart, it is calloused. It doesn't want to see God. It cannot see God. But what Jesus does is that Jesus opens up our hearts to see his beauty, his glory, his majesty, that we need him. And for some of us here, we need to keep coming here to hear the gospel proclaim that Jesus wants to open your eyes to see him, to enjoy him, to depend upon him. That's what he wants to do. John Newton wrote that beautiful song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now and found was blind. But now I see. Friends, Jesus wants to open our eyes to see him. And if you have friends who are spiritually blind, friends who say, I don't need a savior. I can do this myself. Well, they need Jesus. Bring them along. Get them to your connect group. Get to love them. Build relationship with them. Start evangelizing. Ask God to open up their eyes so that they can see the beauty of Jesus and the cross. And we want to do that right here. So invite them into communion. Invite them on Sunday. Invite them to your house for a dinner party. And just ask God's Spirit to open their eyes because they too need to see Jesus. And the last thing we see right here is the releasing for the oppressed. Some of us here this morning, there's something weighing us down. It could be a past experience, financial pressure, marriage issues, workplace tension, health concern. Something is bothering you. It is weighing you down. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He wants to release you from those worries. You know, it reminds me of the Samaritan woman by the well in John 4. The Bible tells us she's had five husbands. Five husbands. And the man that she's with currently is not even her husband. So she goes to the water well in the middle of the day when no one's going, hoping to avoid, avoid contact with other people in society. She's ashamed. There's something weighing her down. It's her past and also her present situation. So she goes to the water well, and who does she meet? She meets Jesus. And we know what happens. Jesus loves her. Jesus encounters her, and Jesus restores her. I want to say for some of us here, you're being oppressed. There's a weight. There's something upon you, whether it's a present situation with family or relationship or finance or health, some concerns. But he wants to release you from that pressure. He wants to restore you. He wants you to know that he loves you and he wants to take that off your shoulders. Jesus once said this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. Are you tired? Are you burdened? Is there a heavy weight on you? Is something oppressing over you? He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to know that, that Jesus offers to release the pressure, the burden of this life. If you're feeling oppressed, Jesus loves you. He promises to take care of you. 
He's able to do much more than you can imagine or think, according to the power of God. So friends, there are my two points for this morning. Regularity, come here weekly. Get a good rhythm. Make small changes. Come here and exalt Him and glorify Him and trust that you will encounter Him in a special way, that the manifest presence of God will touch you, will change you. And secondly, let's proclaim Jesus every time we gather here. I proclaim Him as I preach the Word of God, but you can proclaim Him as you sing, as you declare how good He is, as you share testimonies, encourage one another. There's a lot of great things happening in this church every week. Oh, trust me, I'm so, I'm so encouraged. And I think it's taken over a decade to get to this point where I go, wow, I think we're up to something special. I think, I think these people really get what I'm trying to do here. Discipleship is taking place. People are building community. It's more than just come here and listen to me preach. But we come here with a purpose to worship Him, to say that on Sunday morning, this place is for Jesus. Worship Him and trust that He will manifest in a tangible way. Amen. Can I pray? I want to pray. I feel led to pray for some of you this morning here. Yeah, I want to pray. Maybe for some of us here this morning. Yeah, you resonate with what I'm sharing. That you've seen that church has been more of just, I go because I have to go. I go because that's what I've been told as a young person. But this morning here, God has really spoken to you and says that, yeah, this is His time. It's where we glorify Him. And you, you really want to make the commitment to see changes in your habit that ultimately leads to having a pattern, a healthy rhythm that Sunday is for the Lord. And can I just say that I'm actually seeing that? I am actually seeing that right now, that for some of you, I actually know when you're not around. It's just, maybe it's just a gift, I don't know. Or maybe it's just a stalking nature that I have. I notice when you're not around, and I do pray for you and I think of you, but I do see some of you, you're gathering very regularly. That's wonderful. Keep it up. But maybe this morning, God is speaking to some of you here. And you want to make a commitment? I want to pray for you. Maybe for some, maybe for some, maybe for some. You feel oppressed. You feel that there's something weighing you down. You feel that there's a temptation, there's an addiction. There's something that you go, I need help. I need a community to love me and support me and stand with me. I want to pray for you. And I believe that it starts today that God can see breakthrough in your situation. I want to do that. I want to pray. I want to pray. So all eyes closed. If that is you, you can dim the lights now, guys, because I want to make this a bit more private. But if that is you, I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. You don't have to do it, but I would encourage you to do it. Stand up so I can see who I'm praying for. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to get you to come forward. I just want to be able to say, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, you do now. Thank you. In your own time, thank you. You just stand up because I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I don't believe that my prayers, that it's not praying to the air, that God hears my prayers and God's going to do a work in your situation. So if that is you this morning, say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I would, it would be my honor to pray and believe in faith that God will do a work in your heart. 
that God will take away any addiction, any temptation, any fears, anything that's holding, weighing you down. I want to be able to pray and stand with you and say that, you know what? There's no condemnation here. This is not me judging you because I'm the first to judge myself. I want to say I am broken and I stand with you this morning as your pastor that we are going to pray together. So if that is you, please stand now. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, include me in this prayer. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah, let's not miss this opportunity because I want to really pray for you. I really believe that God is hearing my prayers right now. Anyone else right now? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else right now? Thank you. God sees your bold moment of faith, this action right now. God sees it. Anyone else? Don't miss this opportunity. Please don't miss this opportunity. Thank you. Anyone else? Father God, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters standing right now. God, we stand as a family, a family committed to you and committed to each other that God, we don't do this alone. We have you. We have you as the head of this church. And I stand here as their brother in the Lord, saying, I too am broken. I too need you to help me in my role in following Jesus. So God, every one of us here who are standing right now, say, Jesus, you help. Jesus, you come, you intervene, you do a work. Jesus, will you do that? Jesus, will you do that work right now? Remind us, God, that you are a God of grace, a God of love, a God of forgiveness, a God of many chances, not second chances, many chances. God, we want to turn towards you. We want to run towards you. We say we need more of you. God, we, want to, we don't want to hear the voices saying that we are condemned. We don't want to hear the voice saying that we are hopeless. We don't want to hear the voice saying that we cannot get out of our mess. No, we want to hear your voice. The voice of your spirit saying that we are loved, that we can get through this together that you are able to change us, that we have a community here who loves us, a community here who do not judge us, a community here who embraces us. So God, speak loudly in this moment right now. Holy Spirit, whisper into our hearts that we can get through this season with you and with this community here. So I pray for my brothers and sisters who are standing right now. Would you bless them? Oh God, take away anything that's oppressing them, any temptation, take it away, God. Release them, set them free. Open their eyes to see your beauty over and over again. Open their eyes to see how good you are. Anyone who is slack with gathering, help them to be disciplined, to come week in and week out, to worship you, to declare that you are the risen God, the King of all kings, that you are worthy and that this moment is for you, that nothing takes your place, that you are the very top of our lives. So God, I pray that this church will see revival, that we will encounter your spirit in a fresh way. Holy Spirit, come. Minister, Holy Spirit, come. Anoint us. Holy Spirit, come and do a work in us right now. We welcome you you Holy Spirit. We welcome you Holy Spirit right now. We thank you. Jesus you are good. You are worthy. You are so good.